Welcome back to the Mad Couch Cast, the podcast where we help business owners build a business that they love and reach their version of success. I'm your host, Kendra, and in today's episode, we're going to talk all about how neurodivergent business owners can use hyperfocus to succeed. And I am so excited for this podcast today because joining me is Anna Natkins, and we run in several of the same circles. We talk to a lot of the same people. We have met before in a couple of different ways, and I am so excited to have her on the show today. She is a wife. She's a mother. She's a neurodivergent business owner of Anna's Simple Solutions, and she's obsessed with anything puzzle or logic-related, which really just speaks to my heart because that's my thing. I just love that. Anna helps overwhelmed CEOs and their teams get out of the weeds and create systems that are simple and easy to follow and can save you 16 hours a week. Yes, you heard that right. 16 hours a week in what used to be wasted time. So I hope you're ready for this conversation because we're going to jump on in. Welcome to the Mad Couch Cast. I'm your host, Kendra Gill, and I'm here to help service-based business owners like you create space in your business to ditch the daily hustle and build a business that you love. As a teacher turned certified director of operations, I'll be sharing my strategies on how to free up your time so that you can work in your zone of genius. We'll discuss topics like business planning, systems and processes, productivity, operations, and leadership mindset. Each week, we'll explore ways to build a business that truly brings you joy. So buckle up, because it's time to go from feeling stuck to setting yourself up for success. Let's go scale that business. Hey, Anna. I'm glad you're here. So before we jump in, I would love for you to just introduce yourself. Awesome. First of all, I'm so flattered to be here, Kendra. We've kind of traveled in the same circles, so it's really great to sit here and I actually get to see you. Uh, yay, Zoom calls. But I am, for everybody else, I am Anna of Anna Simple Solutions, and I work mostly with neurodivergent entrepreneurs and individuals that just are overwhelmed with the business and in the weeds doing all the things to help simplify, take the busy out of business using tools like ClickUp and Airtable and other no-code awesome tools like Zapier to automate all the things. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. That's awesome. I love the take busy out of business. That just really speaks to me. And <laughs> I, I do. I love it. It's all about creating a business that you love and that busy part. Ugh, forget about that. Exactly. So as we move in and we talk about this idea of neurodivergent entrepreneurs, what does neurodivergent actually mean? Because I think a lot of people listening and even myself included have sometimes have been a little unclear about what that term actually means. I would like to preface this by saying I only play a doctor on TV. So this is kind of my explanation of it. It is so many people are diagnosed with ADD or ADHD or autism or sensory issues, I'm going to say, or things of that nature, all of those types of, I guess you could call them diagnosis, are considered neurodivergent. I have been dealing with this for quite a while. It really came to me when my oldest son was diagnosed with ADD. And then I started noticing things within myself and friends. And then once I started working with clients, I tended to work with the clients that had neurodivergent idiosyncrasies, so to speak. And they all have, so I have to be careful when I say this, because everyone who identifies as neurodivergent, they all have similar struggles, I guess, 
in certain areas. It is actually a challenge for executive functioning disorder or executive functioning area of the brain, which helps you order things and create priorities and systems in your life. But it also has other effects in that you can be extremely creative or find something so interesting, you dive into it and you learn everything you can about it and basically become an expert in a couple of days. So there's lots of drawbacks to it, so to speak, but there's also a ton of positivity and special things that make it almost, and I hesitate saying this because people get sensitive to it, a superpower in a way, as long as you're able to handle the other places and the executive function areas that are a challenge for you. I know that there are a lot of misconceptions around ADHD as well. When I when I was younger, it was you're just not trying hard enough. That's ADHD. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. you're just you weren't disciplined enough or whatever and not. And there has been so many adults that I have seen in the last gosh year where they're like I have just been diagnosed as ADHD. I had no idea. Talk a little bit about what maybe ADHD looks like in adults versus, you know, we always think of it in children. Maybe there's a disconnect on what it might look like in an adult. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people, or it used to be in the 1980s, that doctors would say that children, little boys mostly, uh, would grow out of ADHD by the time they're 18. Like they were cured of it or whatever. It's just age. When in fact, they've learned since then that most of it is actually internalized at that point where People learn how to act, people learn how to control certain impulses using habits or systems or things that they have kind of gathered throughout the years in order to basically exist in what society says that they should be, right? So it seemed to have disappeared, but typically in adults, it is mostly internalized and a lot of adults have a really good way of covering up any deficiencies they have, either by reminding themselves not to talk all the time or whatever it is that they struggle with. So a lot of it's internalized, which ends up turning into anxiety and self-doubt and all of these other things and ends up making their symptoms even worse than they would be had they kind of known how to deal with it in the first place. So I'm going to say like an official answer, it shows up differently for everyone. Just like every person is different, everyone who has ADHD or autism has different things that affect them through the executive functioning that makes it hard or the sensory. But it does make concentration hard. A lot of adults have a harder time holding down a full-time job because maybe they're just not interested in it or it doesn't have systems that work the way their brain works. A lot of them become entrepreneurs, which I have to agree is a really great way to go. (laughs) So those types of things, it's really interesting. I'm just going to add a little tidbit in here. You had mentioned that you had been noticing things and a lot of people have been diagnosed. Women over within the 40 to 50s. And a lot more men as well are getting diagnosed later in life, just because we are just now realizing what those symptoms are. And a lot of people are actually noticing the struggles within themselves and they're actually getting help for it, which is awesome. That's amazing. I had never, I didn't realize that there are so many that are being diagnosed now. And I think that a lot of people have, as they have grown up, have just really figured out how to cope with it. They've coped with all of these symptoms that they're feeling, all of these, what they would consider issues that they're dealing with. They've learned how to cope with them, but really it's just 
it's really just developed in other ways. Like you're saying with the anxiety and with the stress mm-hmm. and that's really interesting. Yeah. The coping, the, um, I'm not going to say masking masking, I think is used no. a lot to cover up thing, but coping mechanisms or ways to emphasize the positive aspects of the things that are struggled with, such as that hyper-focus. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. I have had the the pleasure of getting to know quite a few individuals in some coaching groups that I've been in that are ADHD. And we've had lots of discussions about how to handle it or what are the best tools to use and is there a best tool to use? And it really comes down to that, even though those that are neurodivergent struggle with the same sorts of issues, it could be completely opposite of what they, from one person to the next. So one individual that I know, can I give an example? Absolutely. Um, she is extremely organized, extremely detail oriented. She's a one Enneagram. You might know her and she has ADHD, but she has used her hyper-focus in order to overcome those executive function aspects of herself that make it hard to organize and prioritize. That is, that's a, that is known to be a piece of neurodivergence. And so she's done it so well in such a great way that she can re- repeat that process for tons of different clients and people. That is similar, a little bit similar to how I have done it as well, my executive functioning. So I, I do need to preface that I am in the process of getting diagnosed with ADD right now. I am not fully diagnosed. So this is mostly opinion and just self-observation. I just want to make sure people know that. I also have taken things that I've learned from clients and learned from my own experience and how to shape things differently in tools that are known throughout the entrepreneurial industry, like ClickUp and Airtable, and put them together in unique ways that are very beneficial for those that may be neurodivergent and help them focus on things that are that they love to focus on and not have to worry about the rest. And then someone else is very creative and that's where their hyper focus is and they want to spend their time writing and doing those types of things but has no idea how to organize anything. So it's being aware how to use those superpowers and how to balance it out and ask for help when you need it and get tools that will actually support the way you think to kind of get to the end of that road. I kind of went five directions in that conversation, didn't I? It's it's all good. (laughs) I I, want to unpack one thing with you that I really like, because, you know, part of this hyper-focus is using the way that you focus on things. I will say a lot of the people that I have met that have been in that neurodivergent space, they have something that they are just really good at because they have hyper-focused on that thing, right? When you have that hyper-focus, how do you... Mm -hmm transform that thing to help you be successful? There's like 500 ways to answer this. I think there's certain times of day where you have certain types of energy. Some people are morning people. Some people are afternoon people. Some people like to burn the midnight oil. I find that the majority of people tend to go down the path of what they naturally want to do what they naturally want to hyper focus on at the time of day where they're slightly they're getting tired they don't want to do the hard things anymore so being aware of your energy 
and being aware of when you, and I don't mean like your hyper-focus is watching Instagram. That's not what I mean. Because <laughs> when I get tired, you know, you do that sort of thing. But I have been known to read books on how productivity, if you look on my shelves here, systemology, traction, like all those things. Like I love, I just love gathering that information. That is my hyper-focus, learning how to do and set structures and things like that. Um, and I do that at night or when my energy is running out for the day. So one of the things that I recommend doing is start writing down the things that you do during the day. What do you do in the morning? What do you spend the longest time doing? There's tons of time trackers out there that can do this. You can just do this on a notepad. Sometimes that's easiest. Or if you're on your computer all day, you can use a time tracker there to really kind of figure out what you spend most of your time doing. And then you just need to remind yourself to write it down. That's the hardest part, honestly, <laughs> to commit to doing it for a couple of days. And the times where you lose time, where you spend an hour and a half and you're like, how is that an hour and a half? I thought that was five minutes. That's a clue that that is the area that you should be spending more time and not less. Because those that are neurodivergent tend to um, not be able to focus on one thing for too long if they are not interested in it. That's true. And I think... Mm -hmm that a lot of times that we spend time, when we spend time on different tasks, we don't always spend time where we think we spend time. Mm -hmm. Like I think, oh man, I spent so much time doing, you know, really being focused on my business. And then I go look back at what I actually did and went, oh, I took a lot of breaks or I did a lot of things. <laughs> like, you know, I, mm -hmm. you have that concrete data. And I love to say data tells a story. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many clients I've worked with. And they're like, I don't, I don't know where all my time went today. Like I was busy all day, but where did all my time go? I didn't get anything done. Whether you're a neurodivergent or not, or identify that way, or have, you know, have noticed things about yourself, doing a good time on it once a year is really good practice. And I probably should take my advice on this. I try it every like three months or so. And sometimes I'm successful and sometimes I'm not, but it's really telling. And I, I, Love that you use the word data or da data, data, <laughs> tomato, tomato, um, because a lot of people shy away from that word. And I love it um, because it's really a clue into yourself. A lot of people don't look inside themselves enough to notice where they shine. They just notice where they fail. And having something like this will actually bring that out and show you where you shine more. I think that's so true with the data thing. A lot of people are afraid of that word. And I'm like, y'all, we, we do data all the time, whether mm -hmm. we notice it or not. You getting a new grocery list is taking the data of, I don't have milk in my fridge and I need milk in now. Like <laughs> that is data, you know, so we just, we freak out about this word, but follow-up question here. If we are looking at our time and we track all of our time for the week, then what do we do with that information when we have it? Great. So you can, I could go on and on about this. First of all, what we're first looking at is what you're spending the most of your time on. I highly suggest highlighting that, making note of that, putting that to the side, and then look at the things that you spend like five minutes doing, get distracted, spend another five minutes doing, get distracted. And you're like, I just can't seem to get that done. I would make note at the time of the day that you're trying to do it as well. There's, there's a whole other conversation here about doing the harder things when you have more energy, whether that's in the morning or right after lunch or however that works. Um, but we won't go into that now. 
but also kind of keeping that in mind when you're looking at the things that mm, you're not so excited about, but you do need to get done at some point or another. And then there's the pieces that you you spend like five minutes doing it and then you don't do it for another three days because you really don't. You like It's not important. It's not urgent. You don't need to do it at all. And kind of looking at those three buckets, and this is where, especially if you own a business, you start to realize things that you can delegate or things that possibly you can automate in the future. Um, I always speak from a business kind of standpoint, um, but it's also things that you can look at in your life if you're just walking through life. Well, maybe I really don't need to, I don't know, plan my kids' parties at school. Maybe I can, you know, have a play group after school with them and their friends, and that's a better way to spend my energy and time. So just kind of looking at what it is that brings you joy, that you actually have energy to do, um, and spending more time on that and delegating or just not doing the other things and not feeling bad about it. Of course, if you need milk, go get milk, but... <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. But, you know, and it's, it's funny because I think we have these preconceived notions of what things we think we have to do in our business. And a lot of times those are things that aren't even bringing the return, but people said, oh, you should do this. You should be mm -hmm. on TikTok. You should be enough. You're a TikTok person. Go get it. Like, no, no worries. I am. Not oh yeah. I, you're amazing. If right? you do it. <laughs> right. Like I have friends who kill it on TikTok. So don't get hung up on the, the specific, the specifics of where, but like there are tasks that I'm like, I should do this because someone told me I should, and there is no return in my business and I hate mm -hmm. doing it. And so there's a lot of that stuff too. When you're looking back through your time tracker and you go, why am I even doing this? Like, mm -hmm. what is the point? And I will say I struggle the most with you were talking about maybe doing some of the more difficult things when you have more energy. I find yeah. that I really don't want to. I really don't want, I want to do the fun thing when I have more energy. Sure. I want to do the thing I'm really good at when I have more energy. And so what do you do when these tasks that you know you have to do, for instance, in my business, I know I have to do my finances. Like I have to look at back at my financial data. I have to do that, but I really mm -hmm. don't want to. <laughs> Can I ask you something? How um how long does it take you to look at your finances, generally speaking? Like not very. Like really, it's not very long because if I'm staying well, if I'm staying on top of it, it doesn't take very long. If I ignore it for three months, it takes quite a bit longer. Okay. Can you schedule something to do right after you do finances? We're gonna gamify this. Oh, yes. To do that's tons of fun. And can you keep yourself on task long enough to be like, okay, I'm going to look at finances for 15 minutes. Then I'm going to go get my cup of fresh coffee and walk the dog and then do this super fun podcast. <laughs> like how I slipped that in there. Um, yeah. So, and that's, that's something that there's, there's a bunch of um, tools out there that have started gamifying for, in fact, I, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm a ClickUp, I, I'm a ClickUp aficionado, but Asana uses this. Whenever you finish a task or something in Asana, then like there's a unicorn or a yes. narwhal or something across, which is great. Like that's exactly the type of things that need to happen for the neurodivergent brain to feel like they're successful. It, I mean, it's like almost like gamifying everything. So take the boring task and do like, let's say you're waiting for a phone call to start. So one of the things, um, I'm going to just shove this in here. Um, one of the things that I've struggled with a lot is missing or being late to meetings. 
Cause I don't, you know, if I get into a hyper-focused state before a meeting starts, I'm, I'm, I'm going to totally miss it. So I try to do the hyper-focused things after the meetings. I try to have most of my meetings in the morning because of that. And this is different for every single person, like how it best works um, in order to do the hyper-focus after. I also recommend before having a meeting, do the boring work. You know, you have to do it, but you know, it's going to end. Oh, that's so a good that's thing. I found to be a really good tip as well for those that struggle with that specific part of ADD or whatever it is within the spectrum. Actually, that's helpful for everyone. But <laughs> yeah, like I had never thought about that. And I will mm-hmm. say that um, for the things like I've done some time blocking stuff because I've taken I've taken you know, here's what I've done every day. And then I'm like, okay, here are all the things that I really need to do. And then time blocked out. So flipping the script here on the time tracking and saying, okay, yep. I'm done time tracking. And now let's actually schedule our time. So I'm more efficient. Mm-hmm. And I have found that I don't always like to follow the the script that I put for myself, because if I put the stuff I don't like doing after something that I really do like doing, cause I wanted to do that first. I never mm-hmm. do the thing that I don't want to do because <laughs> I just keep going. I'm like, oh, well I, I'll schedule this in for later. <laughs> Have you you ever played like Stratego or Settlers of Catan or any of those type of strategy games? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I just dated myself with Stratego. I I realized that. But uh, my 10 year old loves to play Settlers of of Catan because it's it's strategy and it's structuring and it's gamified. So I've got to, you know, collect all of these like haze and rocks and I'm forgetting what they are right now in order to be able to build this one road and take over. So it's almost like thinking of your schedule like that. So once, once you have done all this time tracking, I actually have a blog coming out about this, looking at your actual calendar and building what would be an ideal schedule. So for you, the way your brain works, And for instance, myself in the mornings, I have my meetings and then in the afternoons, I tend to have my hyper-focused time doing the things that I love to do. So I build out my ideal schedule with that. And every week when I am trying to see where the tasks fit in or every day where I'm trying to like, here's the admin tasks that need to be done. I need to talk to my VA. I try to put them in those chunks that I have kind of pre-built in order to make sure I am as productive as possible. And I say productivity, not because I'm trying to get more done so much so as I'm trying to make sure that I am taking care of myself and my family and my values before anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think part of it, I love what you just said about um, when you're putting in the time blocking things and like taking those same similar activities, those similar tasks and kind of chunking them and bulking them together. So that Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of when I've worked with some ADHD entrepreneurs, what they've done is they're like, okay, well, I need to go update task. That's going to take me five minutes. I'm going to go over there and update it real quick. And then they hop in and then they forget what they're supposed to do. And so they, instead of doing, instead of bouncing from task to task to task, they instead have, when you bulk all of those things together, they actually get them done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also the way you set up whatever task management tool you have to have the things that are the highest priority show up first. That's a whole, again, wow, we have like 10 episodes we could talk about here. Um, (laughs) Listen, I'm taking taking notes over here. Like, oh, what could we talk about? (laughs) 
So even just setting up your schedules and your and your events and those things that are going on um, within your ideal schedule is one thing, but also when you're going to work on the administrative stuff, how you're actually going to see that in your project management tool. Some people just look a list of tons of tasks where I like to chunk them out. I can tag them as to what they are and say, okay, these are five minute tasks that I can start doing within the 10 minutes before this meeting. So I just kind of click some of them off and I don't even have to put them on the calendar. Really strict time blocking doesn't work for me. And I know a lot of, of my clients that I've worked with, it doesn't work for them necessarily either because they just get bored and doing whatever they want. And since they've broken the system, they just don't follow it anymore. So I'd like to leave that open and some breathing room saying, okay, these types of tasks get done here, depending what they are. And of course, mm-hmm. if something needs to get done, taxes, um, <laughs> you got to focus on those first. So it's a balance of energy, schedule, and major due dates. I will say the other thing that works for me, and again, I'm not actually diagnosed as any ADHD thing, but just from my own personal experiences, when I block out my time, I don't block out my time, my week, every week, the same way. Mm. I can't, I can't take the, I now have to do X, Y, and Z. I now have to, I, it it just doesn't work for me. I have to look at the, okay, here's my week. Mm. Here are the things I know I have to do this week. And then I kind of fit it around and because I like to to move things depending dependent on my mood, <laughs> and so I so know it's like your own personal Tetris board. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I I'm gonna gamify it. everything. I'm, I'm, just... <laughs> a, I'm a puzzle fanatic. I yeah. love puzzles. Like my what's one of my favorite thing to do. And so for me, putting my time blocking in is very puzzle based. You yeah. know, is very puzzle based. But when I like, I don't like to do the same puzzle over and over and over again. And so I have to change up the puzzle. And that's kind of how I approach my time blocking, but I do it at the beginning of the week. I look at all of my things and I say, mm-hmm. okay, here's all my meetings. I put those in first. I, here's all of the, um, the other things that I know that I have to do by a certain time. I put those in and then I just get to play around with it. And I leave blocks on Friday specifically of a, like a coming soon. I don't know what I'm going to do here. Mm-hmm. I call determined. those buffer blocks. I think that's mm-hmm. a straight, I think buffer block is actually a straight term from, sorry, I'm looking at my, the 12 week yeah. year. Um, I loosely follow that. I really like it because it is kind of gamifying getting things done and how to focus on um, certain things. And it's great for those that know that they need to get something done within 12 weeks. Again, another episode, <laughs> another time. <laughs> but I, I use that, those buffer blocks are really important because mm-hmm. I have a client I'm working with right now where we have a couple buffer blocks in the week because she needs the freedom to be able to not be tied to a schedule. The word schedule scares her and Mm -hmm. she will just because personalities are, will almost retaliate against it. And so I'm like, okay, here's a block. You can do whatever the, you know, fudge you want to do. And it works for her. She can do the other stuff. The other time it's like her reward. She can go for a walk. She can drink a coffee, what have you. I like Again, it depends on the person, but yeah. Yeah. I I won't lie to you. I've grown a lot since starting a business and just in general, because I've always been very high performance based, a very high performance based person. And so it used to be my, my mindset was I can't take a bathroom break until this gets done. So stupid. That's so dumb. Like it was almost more. (laughs) I did that. I did. I, oh, you cannot take a break until this gets done. That actually was more detrimental to my schedule than if I'm like, okay, I need a five minute breather and then I'm going to come back. 
I think a lot of times, especially when we talked earlier about how, when we, you know, when we were growing up, ADHD was very much almost this taboo thing. It was almost this, you just aren't disciplined enough. And so on the flip side, I was like, I've got to be really disciplined as an adult. I'm like, I've yeah. got to be really disciplined. And cause that's the problem where that, mm-hmm. that wasn't the problem. It's learning how to use, we got to use what we know that our skill sets are and how, just our personalities in business. Mm-hmm. Knowing, knowing who you are. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. has a lot to do with it. That, and that's something that you learn real fast when you're in business for yourself is learning mm-hmm. who you are and how you best work and who you best work with and what your great skill sets are. Um, but I, I have to agree with you. You're overcompensating for things that you fear you lack in. Yeah. Right. Almost to the point of detriment. Cause I'm just, I'm feeling anxiety for you and my bladder's feeling really full right now too, for some reason. <laughs> Um, because the, the type of long-term things that you can do to yourself from trying to cover for things that are just pieces of who you are is it, first of all, it's hard to figure out what your what part of you is trying to cover for it. And what is like the true core of your, who yourself. And that's a whole mindset piece of this, that I'm just going to be on your podcast 500 times. And basically is what this comes down to, but <laughs> Well, so what you didn't know is we just started a partnership podcast here. (laughs) I love it. I will say like finding your thing, right? Finding your ways to cope is going to be more beneficial than reading a book about all the things on ADHD. Like you have to figure out what works for you. I remember uh, we were in the same Facebook group and I remember somebody posting posting in it and they just said, when you've met one neurodivergent person, you've met one neurodivergent person. They're not all the same. Right. Right. My last question for you, and I kind of went in a different way than I thought I was going to, but it's fine. That's okay. On the flip side, we've talked really a lot about hyper-focusing and using that as a strength in your business. What happens to all the other parts that you're not good at, you don't want to do? Like we've talked about maybe a little bit putting that into your schedule and and how to deal with those things. But the things that you know that you just aren't good at, don't want to do, it's not part of your hyper-focus. What do you do with those tasks? Well, if you're me, you try to automate them. (laughs) (laughs) I, well, and I come from a tech background. And so if the technology out there exists in a no code way to help automate cough Zapier or make cough, then using that to help do those things is really beneficial. I'm going to bring up uh, what some people think is a bad word and say chat GPT, AI, using that to help formulate if you're not a great writer. Um, and I'm not saying copy exactly from there, but using that technology, which is free and flipping amazing, if you ask me to help create outlines or help you format your thoughts when you're writing an email, use that kind of stuff to get things done quicker and probably introduce a little bit more fun into it, discovering a new technology. Plus, if you're not on the AI bandwagon now, you're going to be left behind. But that's, that's again, another conversation. Using those types of things, gamifying things, if you don't have the money to delegate to an assistant or something of that nature, perhaps consider getting a, an assistant just for a couple hours a week for the things that you really don't want to do. Like, I, I'm not, I, I don't really like taxes. So I have a bookkeeper and she actually does the taxes for me. So those types of things, yeah, delegate, automate, or um, maybe you don't even need to do. You think about whether you they actually need to be done. 
That last one didn't rhyme. Delegate, yeah. automate. I needed a rhyming one. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Delegate, automate. <laughs> Forget abate. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, it just popped in my brain. It's like, I really need this to rhyme right now. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone else who has come up with a rhyming word for that. So <laughs> I'll be on the lookout. Oh my goodness. All right. So Good to, follow wrap, up. <laughs> follow up. to wrap this whole thing up, what's one action somebody can take? Cause we've talked about a lot of things today. Mm-hmm. What's one action someone can take today to move forward? I'm going to go back to what we were talking about 10, 15 minutes ago at now. Start to write down what you do every day. And you can, you don't have to do it from the moment you wake up in the morning, but that's not a bad idea either. And kind of chunk it down to 10 or 15 minute increments. Like for me, I get up, I take my vitamins, I brush my teeth, that all that self-care stuff about 15 minutes. And then I go downstairs and I read and kind of get in the groove of work for about 15 minutes. And then I spend 15 minutes reading through my emails and seeing if there's any, any emergencies that pop up. And just like those 15 minute increments of what you do is really helpful. I will give you, Kendra, my, I have a time tracker that I actually have utilized for myself. It's just through, it's not a fancy tool. It's just through Google Sheets that uh, your listeners can download and kind of use as a template or whatever. So that way they can start doing this really easily. And there's also a ton of tools out there that allow you to do it as well, or just use a notebook. Honestly, it's probably one of the easiest ways to do it. I know that earlier you were talking about doing this once a year, but how long do you track for? Because I'm assuming it's more than just one day, but how long would be a good span just to track what you do on a day-to-day? I would say ideally two weeks, but one week. And I'm going to say Monday through Friday, because those usually are the busiest days. And I'm not anal enough to do Saturdays and Sundays. Plus I have a family and that's very hard to do on Saturdays and Sundays, especially with all the activities the kids are involved with. But if you do one week, it will still give you a lot of information as to what you spend your time doing and what Marie Kondo here, what brings you joy. Mm -hmm. I'm all about that. A lot of entrepreneurs got into business to leave something else because it wasn't working for them. The last thing you want to do then is create a business, get tied to this business, feel like it's drowning you. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't leave one thing to get into something worse. Yeah. Changing your life to focus on the things that actually bring you value. Maybe your business is something that really brings you value. Maybe you're saving children. Maybe you're, you know, those types of things and actually living your life in a way that matters to you versus matters to the boss's boss's boss. Right. That's where the difference lies for me. Yeah. I love that. So to wrap up, where can everybody find you? Where, where's the places you hang out where people can come see you? (laughs) <laughs> I float around. So I, as, as much as I've tried to get rid of Facebook, I'm still there. I don't know what it is, my age, whatever. I'm still hanging out there. You can find me at Anna Simple Solutions. Name is Anna Napkins. You can find me there. I have a YouTube channel. You can look for me using that, um, the at around signed, because that's how they do it now at A-N-A-S-I-M-P-L-E-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S. So that in short is Anna with one N, Simple Solutions. I'm also on Instagram, not there very much. And on LinkedIn, Anna Natkins at LinkedIn. So you can find me there. 
Awesome. Well, I have loved this conversation. I think it's a needed conversation in this space because a lot of people haven't really been talking about it that I Mm -hmm. have noticed, but I feel like this is such a needed conversation that your ADHD, your neurodivergent situation, whatever that is, autism, whatever, you can make that work for you. And there's people out there who, who really believe in what you provide and what you do that will support you in that. And you have to believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for being on. I am so glad that you were able to be here today and we'll chat later. Oh man, this conversation was so great. I loved having Anna on the show. I thought she brought so much value. But before we sign off today, I just wanted to remind you that our group foundations course is open. It has a new name. It is called Passion Fueled Purpose. This group course is all about defining or refining the foundational pieces of your business. That's your business's purpose, your mission, your vision, values, brand statement, ideal client, All of those things that really go into the day-to-day of your business. If you have not really defined these pieces for your business, I encourage you to go over and hop onto the wait list. We're doing something a little unique for this first round. It is a one-time only beta round where it is going to be a total of $197. We will never offer it at this price again. And if you join the wait list, if you hop on that wait list now, you'll actually get a special discount that no one else will get. And we will never have it at this price again. So don't miss the opportunity. Get your business's foundation really solid so that you can build a business that's going to last the test of time. Until next week, stay curious, focus on joy, and go scale that business. Thank you again for joining me today. I hope this episode was able to provide value and some encouragement as you pursue big things. If you enjoyed what you heard or if you got something useful from today's episode, we'd love for you to leave a review or share this episode with someone in your circle. And if you'd like to connect with others who are on the same journey as you, join my free Facebook community. Have an amazing week full of success. And until next week, enjoy your time.